and uh, welcome once again to the CSF monthly podcast for June 2020. Well, the, the continuation of the, the current COVID pandemic and is, a, is a real challenge for us all. This podcast is aiming to, to keep you vigilant with the latest in the field of rheumatology at these really difficult times when in fact it's so easy for our attention to go elsewhere. But the needs of people with rheumatic and musculoskeletal diseases are ever present and potentially even more important for us as rheumatologists at this time. Well, today I'm going to review two papers which explore the safety profile of baricitinib up to three years and effective temporary interruption of baricitinib in people with rheumatoid arthritis. Now remember, as always, to access the detailed summary slides of the papers I've discussed, please go to the cytokinesignaling.com website. As I say, it's a terrific resource. The, the slides, the abbreviated abstracts, the synthesis of what these papers are all about, I hope you'll find really useful. And we'd encourage you then to use those slides for your own education and that of others. Well, the first paper I want to discuss comes from uh, my dear friend, Paul Emery and his colleagues, and aims to characterize temporary interruption of baricitinib and describe these interruptions impact and efficacy and safety in people with rheumatoid arthritis. Now, what's the background here? Well, as we all know, in clinical practice, interruption of therapy is actually fairly common for a whole variety of reasons, emerging side effects, non-compliance, need for surgery, and, and many more. And despite concerns of symptom worsening or immunogenicity, very few studies examine the effect of DMARD or biologic interruption and retreatment. Now, using data from four phase three clinical trials, the timing, reason, and duration of investigator-initiated temporary interruptions were analyzed in this study alongside PROs from patient diaries. And when documenting an interruption, investigators could choose one of four reasons, an adverse event, an abnormal lab value, suspected pregnancy, or an investigator decision, which I guess covers a magnitude of other elements. Uh, Post-hoc analysis investigated changes in symptom scores during interruption and resumption of treatment and evaluated reoccurrence of adverse events or laboratory abnormalities after retreatment. So this is a really pragmatic analysis. Note that it's post-hoc, of course. Now, of 640 interruptions, 84% of patients were able to restart the study drug. Increase in symptoms while interrupting baricitinib were similar among patients who interrupted from placebo. In baricitinib-treated patients, the most common adverse event leading to interruption was infection. Most were non-serious and mild or moderate in severity. In patients who experienced baricitinib interruption, the most frequent AE during the first four weeks in treatment was an upper respiratory tract infection. Uh, the daily diary measures of severity and morning joint stiffness, worse joint pain and worse tiredness showed modest increases during the interruption. So what do we take from this? Well, during the baricitinib phase three clinical trials, interruptions were infrequent in fact, and generally lasted for less than or equal to two weeks. Um, and consistent with pharmacologic properties of this agent, brief interruptions of baricitinib were associated with minor increases in symptoms. And these increases were resolved following retreatment. So a very practical lesson here, it is a reasonable thing to do to stop this uh, small molecule inhibitor and to then recommence that when whatever prompted that interruption, assuming it's resolved, is, uh, is properly and satisfactorily dealt with. So, of course, communication with the patient is going to be critical here. 
Now, the second paper I want to talk about comes from Mark Genovese and his colleagues and investigates the safety profile of baricitinib for the treatment of people with rheumatoid arthritis now up to three years. And this is a safety analysis. It included integrated data from nine phase three, phase two and phase one B clinical trials in addition to one long-term extension with data up to 360 weeks. And this represents an additional 3,547 patient years from a placebo-controlled phase three trial. Now, patient demographics and disease activity were generally similar across treatment groups within analysis data sets. Uh, baricitinib doses ranged from one to 15 milligrams daily with two milligrams and four milligram daily doses used in the phase three and long-term extension trials. Those, of course, are the, the doses with which we're most familiar in clinical practice. The safety analysis included uh, treatment emergent adverse events, AAs leading to interruption or discontinuation, serious adverse events, deaths, and adverse events of special interest. So what were the key results? Well, in the placebo-controlled data set, exposure-adjusted incidence of SAEs was similar between placebo and baricitinib 4 milligrams, but lower for 2 milligrams baricitinib. No significant differences were seen for baricitinib versus placebo or for four milligrams versus two milligrams in the incidence of death, malignancy, serious infection, or MACE, that's cardiovascular endpoints. Infections uh, were the most common treatment emergent, adverse events, no surprise there, and no particular event type dominated reported causes for these deaths. Herpes zoster incidence remained essentially unchanged from previous reports the herpes zoster incidence per 100 patient years was higher for baricitinib versus placebo, as were treatment emergent infections. In the all baricitinib RA data set, 85 patients had malignancy, excluding a non-melanoma skin cancer, with an incidence of 0.8 per 100 patient years, uh, with no obvious change in incidence over time. That's a measure we often look at in these kinds of data sets. Uh, the instance of MACE and individual components was similar between groups and with previous reports and remained again stable over time, which is obviously very helpful in trying to think about exposure to longer term risk. So what do we conclude here? Well, in this updated integrated analysis of patients exposed to baricitinib for almost seven years, baricitinib maintained a similar safety profile to earlier analysis. No new safety signals were identified. Well, if you want to look at other publications uploaded this month, look over to the, the publications page and cytokinesignaling.com. We go to a lot of work to look for papers that we think are going to be of interest. They're reviewed by uh, my colleagues in the scientific committee. We then upload with the support of the brilliant cytokine signaling team uh, slides and relevant summaries and synthesis of the emerging data. You'll find, for example, more on a study by Axel Fink and his colleagues who compared drug maintenance and clinical effectiveness of different treatment options for rheumatoid arthritis, TNF blockers, JAK inhibitors, and other biologics, and found some interesting differences in survival and therapy in the Swiss registry. You'll also find a summary of a study from Dr. Lee and colleagues who looked at baricitinib in a Chinese population and demonstrated similar results to previous studies in Western populations. Well, as always, I want to thank you for your attention to this podcast, particularly in these really challenging peri-COVID times. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Let us know what you think by leaving a review. Thanks ever so much for your attention. Very best of luck in looking after your patients. Thank you.